The Chicago Bears roster is more or less set for week one against the Green Bay Packers. So it's a good time to check in on what's changed and where the current strengths and weaknesses lie heading into the regular season. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel, to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. On the show today, we check in on where the sort of the state of the Chicago Bears roster, where this roster stands right now entering 2023. You know, throughout kind of the offseason, you know, we checked in, free agency, the draft, training camp, kind of where things are, but this team has changed significantly since even the start of training camp, since the start of the preseason, and really every day this week it's changed a little bit more here and there. The latest move being Doug Kramer, the center to injured reserve, Nathan Peterman back on the 53-man roster, but at this point, it feels like without I mean, with with room for maybe another move or two here or there, this is mostly what it's going to look like week one against the Green Bay Packers. So it's a good time to check in and say, okay, entering this season, what are our expectations for this roster? Now that we've seen the guys a little bit in the preseason and training camp, we kind of get a sense of where the pieces are now. What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? And how should we then expect that to play out? Not, we're not going to go game by game, but over the course of their regular season schedule. Let's start with Ryan Poles' assessment of this as the general manager, because I thought it was a really good question by Herb Howard asking Ryan Poles at his press conference this week. You know, we, we heard Poles earlier this offseason talk about how, you know, you can't, he didn't feel like with this roster and this position, you know, he couldn't fill every single hole all at once. You know, one offseason was not going to be enough time to take the team they had last year and turn them into a Super Bowl contender. But he kind of gave a status update on where he feels like he sits in that position that I think gives us a good framework to evaluate the roster for ourselves. Ryan, you've talked about coming into this process, the reality being that you guys probably weren't going to be able to fill all the holes on this roster this offseason. Without giving away where you think those holes may still be, can you put a percentage on how many, like how many of those holes you think you all have filled? Again, it's hard until you start playing. Uh, just being realistic, man. I mean, on paper, eighty percent, seventy-five percent. But at the end of the day, like when the lights come on and we play a real game, the energy level is different, the speed is different. Um, we'll be able to evaluate that as we go through the season. But I feel good again on just on paper. I feel good about the progress, and we're. I feel took a chunk out of what we needed to. Ryan Poles is 100% right in that we don't really have the answer to, to those questions just yet. As we look at like the strengths and weaknesses of this team, it's still kind of on paper, like preseason, 
sort of saw some stuff, but not really what they're actually going to look like. And certainly practices are not that either. So as much as, you know, we can try and look at and assess this roster now, things are different when it's a live game and the lights come on. And so that's going to be part of this evaluation process. So I still think it's valuable to check in uh, at this stage of the game and kind of see where the baseline expectations are now. So then we can judge whether or not players exceed or fall short of those expectations throughout the course of this season. I also just want to make sure we take a step back and appreciate some of the honesty there from Ryan Poles. And he's not trying to sell us that this roster is set and they have full confidence in every single player that they're all going to be great. Like it felt to me like in years past with the previous regime with Ryan Pace, that pre week one press conference, he would talk about how confident they were in all these different guys and how they think they got everything all figured out. And then obviously over the course of the season, it would not pan out that way. And so I appreciate, well, certainly we know Ryan Poles is not going to go out there and say, oh yeah, we still think this position is bad. You know, it's not going to bad mouth his own players, but he's not going to come out and pretend like everything is absolutely perfect, that nothing is wrong with this team and that they're going to be great. And then, you know, be then disappointed down the line here when ultimately they aren't like, this is not a perfect roster. We can all acknowledge there are still weaknesses on this team. There are certainly strengths on this team, but there are still areas that we might have some concerns about that we still need to see what happens, you know, when those lights go on and what that actually looks like, how, especially I think with some of the younger players, right? Like you can't look here and say like the rookie cornerbacks or the rookie defensive tackles or whatever. Like we don't know exactly how good they're going to be at this stage of the process. So they're not, they're not holes. Like they're, they're, they're filling a spot and they're, and they're going to have, you know, long-term value for this team in theory. But as a rookie, you can't necessarily say it's it's necessarily a strength until we see them actually play like a strength. So there's there's enough wild cards at a few of those spots too that like Ryan Poles is saying, is there still a hole at cornerback? We'll see. We got we got to see how Tyler Gordon and Tyreek Stevenson play, you know, this early in their careers. We think Gordon is going to be a lot better. We think Stevenson can be a exciting rookie with some ups and some downs, but we do still have to actually see it on the field and in those live situations where younger players can either sometimes surprise you in a good way and be even better than you expected them to be this early in their careers, or they can disappoint you in maybe a way that you weren't expecting when you thought they would be better or thought they would develop faster or thought they wouldn't have as many, you know, bumps along the road here, kind of like we saw for Kyler Gordon last season. So that's where it becomes tricky to try and call this ahead of time. But I do, I do appreciate like, Ryan Poles being able to talk to us like we're adults, you know, and not try and sugarcoat or gaslight or pat us pat themselves on the back and say, you know, everything was fine. I just remember like two years ago, I think it was two or three years ago, Ryan Pace, you know, talked about how excited they were about the competition they had at cornerback and at the offensive line before the start of that season. And both of those positions were terrible, but they made it seem like they were super happy and that guys were going to be great. And they had super high expectations for them. And it just, we kind of couldn't see at the time, like, wait a minute, this looks like it's going to be a problem. And yet there was no acknowledgement that like, hey, we're still working on some stuff here. It was just like, nope, trying to, you guys are wrong. We're right. And of course they, they proved to be wrong in that regard. So th that's why I think it's important to kind of check in now so that we don't look back with 2020 hindsight and say, oh, we should have known that this position was going to be bad, or we should have known that this position was going to be really good. And by sort of setting the expectations now, we can look back in the future and say, okay, what did, what, what did we think was going to happen? And how did what actually happened match or differ from what actually does play out over the course of the season. So let's get into some of the big strengths, some of the holes that Ryan Poles has filled, and then we'll get into some of the weaknesses that still exist on this roster next 
on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. All you got to do is put down five and they'll let you bet $200 more after that. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off a subscription to NFL Sunday Ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. It's a great deal for this upcoming season. That's why now is the best time to join FanDuel. Their app is safe and easy to use, so you can be on everything from spreads to player props and so much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer like this that you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. This Chicago Bears roster is certainly much improved right now from where it was last season. There's no doubt about that. From being a what are they a three three two win three win three win season last year, I mean they're going to be a significantly better roster on paper right now than they were last season. There's still weaknesses, and we'll get to those in a minute. But I think when when Ryan Pulse talks about you know trying to fill the holes, trying to plug the gaps there, I, I think instead of looking at like specifically the strongest position on the Bears, I think from a team building standpoint, I want to approach this more from like, where are there no holes, right? Where do you look at this Chicago Bears roster depth chart and say that position is really set? Like, this is a spot where I like what they have this year. I like what they have going into next year. It, it feels like this is a group that can do really well now and also set you up that if you kept going with this same group through the future, you're feeling pretty good and you're not really seeing like a big spot there where you're like, ooh, Maybe maybe some real questions there. And I feel like it's easiest to kind of just not go exactly position by position, but kind of approach the roster from that perspective. So like, for example, running back, really, really comfortable there. No holes at running back. Herbert, starter, Foreman rotating as a starter. Roshan Johnson as the rookie with a bunch of upside. Travis Homer, some good special teams ability there. You're feeling really good. No holes at running back. Quarterback is one where it's like, got to see what Tyson Bajant might be as a number two. And there's still long-term like, Big picture, how good is Justin Fields question? So like there's no holes there, but it's not like I don't know. I don't know that we have a concrete answer, but there's not a big hole. So like, yes, not a hole there to be filled, but still to be determined. I think that's kind of one of the youth positions that you can say not a hole, but not a sure thing top to bottom on the depth chart either at this point. But we're still working through that process at that position. Tight end. Feeling really good about there being no holes there. Three solid guys that you like. Sure, every position you can always use more depth or whatever, but like top to bottom, tight end, feeling really good. Wide receiver, feeling good. Plugged a hole there. DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, good top three group there. You know, that 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 puts you in the above average wide receiving core, plus some upside from Tyler Scott, certainly. Still like Equinemius St. Brown, he's a special teams guy. And then Trent Taylor and Bayless Jones doing some return man stuff, maybe some gadget stuff on offense. You're sitting pretty at wide receiver, and it feels like like right there, running back, wide receiver, tight end, you're, like your skill positions, they're plugged up. Those any holes that were there are really, really solidified. And quarterback, you know, again feeling feeling all right about where things stand there. Defensively, linebacker, you know, everything they invested in free agency with Edwards and Edmonds, Sanborn coming back, looking good. Noah Sewell, promising rookie, Dylan Cole, a solid veteran behind them. Again, maybe more depth, maybe better health, but for the most part, like. You can feel like there's not a big hole at linebacker. Every position can always find wiggle room to improve, but like linebacker feels 
very, very set in that regard. As does like safety in terms of like the starting lineup. Of course, Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker, I think we all have pretty consistent, strong faith in what they're able to do. Maybe, you know, there's not much experience on the bench there. So called is that a hole though? Not really, but you know, it feels to me like you feel really, really confident and set at linebacker and safety in particular. We'll talk about cornerback in a little bit. I think they're kind of in this limbo young player position like we talked about where can't like definitively say everything is great, but it looks like everything's on the right path to be great. Same thing with quarterback. Everything's on the right path and you're feeling pretty good about it, but not like locked in, haven't seen it yet, but still feel like pretty good about it. And let's not forget special teams. Kicker, not a hole there. Punter, feeling good there. Long snapper, set. And with Trent Taylor coming in as a kick returner, you can kind of feel pretty good about there not being a hole at that point. I mean, Valus Jones has question marks, but between Trent Taylor, Tyler Scott, Valus Jones, and even guys like Khalil Herbert as a kickoff option, DJ Moore as a punt return option, special teams doesn't really have holes at this stage of the process either. Like Ryan Poles has, for the most part, solidified quite a bit on the roster. I mean, within this conversation, there's a couple of positions we haven't talked about. And those are, think I think, where we still talk about weaknesses, because not so much holes, right? There's not a gap in the starting lineup, but it's spots where you feel like this team can and should be better. And, and maybe even in the next season, you look at what your options are to potentially upgrade that group. That, that exact description doesn't quite fit the offensive line, but like clearly entering week one, we have questions and concerns about the offensive line. On paper, when fully healthy, Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins, Cody Whitehair, Nate Davis, Darnell Wright should be a good group there. But of course, Jenkins is now on injured reserve, as is Doug Kramer. They just traded for an offensive lineman to get more depth in there, which kind of tells you again that they're trying to fill some holes there. And then, you know, you kind of got the added questions now of like, okay, Cody Whitehair has an injured hand. What level of left guard play are we going to get from him? We have questions about Lucas Patrick's consistency. Now, we were disappointed, I think, with some of what we saw from him last season, but he was also rotating between guard and both guard spots and center throughout the course of that process. So there's room like there's room to think he could potentially be better this year, but I think room to doubt how good he's going to be this year. We've had right guard Nate Davis miss a bunch of preseason, a bunch of training camp practices, some injury-related, some something else related that we still haven't gotten very concrete answers on at this stage of the process, but he just, he's going to have some catching up to do some rust to knock off and some, you know, learning back into this offensive line system and learning his teammates and stuff. You know, there may be a, a ramp up for that in the regular season. And then both your offensive tackles are really young. Braxton Jones, Darnell Wright, all the reason in the world to believe in them as guys that are going to keep getting better and develop and grow, but we still have to see it. Young guys like at cornerback and at quarterback where you feel good about the plan that you got, but you still got to really see it before you can, you know, lock it in and say that position is totally set, good to go, confident for the long, long term there. Still, still kind of working through that. The other then weakness that's left is the defensive line. Even with Unique Ngakwe coming in at defensive end, this pass rush is largely still unproven. And I don't think Ngakwe alone solves all of the concerns or alleviates any doubt, right? There's still room to doubt there for me. It's good. It's much, Ngakwe is a big improvement and it would have been disastrous without Ngakwe, but I don't think Ngakwe alone takes you from disastrous to 
really, really good. He takes you from disastrous to below average, maybe even disastrous to average, but I don't think he takes you from disastrous to above average. And so I still need to see it from Demarcus Walker. Still need to see it from Rasheem Green. Still need to see it from Unique Ngakwe. I mean, he played like nine snaps in one preseason game. That's all we've seen from him at this stage of the game. And over the course of their careers, Justin Jones, Andrew Billings have not been top flight production in terms of pass rush. Like this pass rush still needs to prove something and gain something. It still feels to me like a weakness on this team that will be a big focal point next offseason as well, just as it was a focal point of this offseason. Still, like that is still a hole. It's temporarily patched up a little bit, but it's not a strong patchwork at this stage of that group. So that's where I still think the weaknesses are there. Part of the weakness is just injuries as well, but O-line injury questions and moving guys around and young players, weakness, concern. D-line, a lot of unproven talent there that needs to play better. Those two, to me, kind of stand out as the two biggest weaknesses slash concerns slash holes that still kind of exist on this roster. When Ryan Poles himself talks about it being 75 to 85% or 75 to 80% holes filled, I think that missing 20 to 25 is like O-line, D-line, and then maybe just some of the youth positions you know, I feel like I'm wondering about the depth at safety and at cornerback and maybe at linebacker and getting some more, you know, just learning more of what those guys are as they get a little bit farther into their careers. So kind of with then this understanding of holes that are left and the strengths and expectations or the strengths and weaknesses, getting ahead of myself here, I, I think that can kind of set the stage for what we what we see as expectations for this Bears team. And I don't even mean from a numerical win-loss standpoint, but more like what we're expecting from different facets of this team and how that might shape what we see in this upcoming regular season. We'll kind of take a look at what this current roster alignment means for Matt Eberflus, Luke Getze, Alan Williams, and Justin Fields next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Game Time is here to help you get the fastest and easiest way to snag tickets for all of the sports, music, comedy, and theater shows near you. I just went to a great show. It was a trio of Simple Plan, Sum 41, and The Offspring, some 90s and 2000s, you know, punk, rock, pop, you know, in those categories. And I was great way to snag tickets was with our friends at game time. And what I love about game time too, is it helps me find shows like that coming to my area that I wouldn't have known otherwise if I hadn't checked through the game time app. They've got flash deals, last minute tickets, and a lowest price guarantee along with event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and so much more. You can even see an image of your seat view. So you know you're not gonna get stuck behind a giant pillar or something. You can see exactly what you're gonna see from your seat. Snag your tickets without the stress with game time, download the game time app, create an account, and use our promo code locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem our code locked on NFL for $20 off. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So if we go into this 2023 season, feeling like skill positions doing pretty good holes are plugged there back seven ish of the defense with, with some asterisks is there feeling all right, feeling good to all right, depending on the position. And then we're feeling a little bit uneasy or just unanswered questions 
about offensive line and defensive line, bracing for challenges, weaknesses, mistakes, inconsistency, perhaps from those positions. I think that kind of sets the stage for how we should view this upcoming season. You know, I think about somebody like Luke Getze and Justin Fields in particular, like that relationship and what this offense should and shouldn't look like. I mean, such a big part of this conversation was you got to get Justin Fields some weapons, right? This was a spot where last season guys weren't getting open. You know, when you, when you don't have open receivers, Fields has to extend the plays with his legs, nothing happening downfield. Some, sometimes that can help lead to some of the sacks that we saw. Sometimes it can lead to some of the scrambles that we saw. But, but so often the All-22 film showed wide receivers that were not getting open. And even when wide receivers were open and even when Justin Fields would connect with them, there were drop passes. There were just guys who weren't able to make plays after the catch. Missed tackles were few and far between. Yards after the catch felt few and far between. And so like a big part of getting DJ Moore, of adding at running back, adding at tight end, adding at wide receiver, right, is to make Justin Fields' job easier, make him look better, give him playmakers so that he doesn't have to carry all the load. And it feels like that part is mission accomplished. And so in theory, for Luke Getze, you should be able to see a little bit more of what he's able to do as an offensive coordinator because you know he's got receivers who can run these routes and get open, right? He's got playmakers for his quarterback who can take a screen pass and go 60 yards with it, who can you know take a, a 15-yard curl against well, the last preseason game. I'm spacing on what team they just did that to. It wasn't the Titans, wasn't the Colts. What was the third team they played? Buffalo Bills. There we go. Uh, you can take a 15-yard screen pass against the Bills or a curl route against the Bills and make that a 40-yard game. Like That can open up so much more for everyone. But when the offensive line is a question, it starts to bring it back a little bit. Like, I think we've heard a lot of this offseason, like, no more excuses for Justin Fields. Like, he's got a better supporting cast now. He needs to prove it. But the more the offensive line struggles, the more you start to feel like, okay, how how much of an impact is that having on what we could see from Fields? Right? Because part of the problem last year was bad offensive line. Part of the problem was Fields holding onto the ball too long. And not throwing it away, not going through his reads quicker, or, or I guess not processing quicker in terms of like seeing and trusting and then delivering the throw where he needed to there. And so some of it's on him, some of it's on the offensive line. But if there are offensive line challenges or weaknesses or inconsistencies this season, whether it's from a team building, it's like it's not necessarily Ryan Poles' fault when it's when it's injuries and guys having to move around. I mean, sure, it's always the GM's fault in terms of you can have better backups and stuff. But, you know, it's not like this is the Bears are going to field their ideal five offensive line, what they were planning on this season. They're already behind the eight ball in that regard. So it's not, it's not the plan a at the offensive line, but can the plan B or C here still be good enough? And I think that's going to set so much of the, the stage for the season. Cause you feel like all the other boxes are checked around fields on offense. It's just the offensive line right now. And it feels like if they can at least be a passable offensive line, that should be good enough. Fields shouldn't require a top five offensive line in order to be successful. You want your young, exciting playmaking quarterback to be able to do things well, even when things aren't perfect around him. And especially, I think, when you add in the playmakers here, it'll be a good test for both Fields and Luke Getze. It's like, okay, you do have receivers and tight ends and running backs now. So even if the offensive line isn't great, you should still be able to do something. Not not everything, but like you can get the ball in their hands more quickly. Even if the offensive line can't hold up, you know, you can find other ways to try and make plays. And a good offensive coordinator can adapt to his strengths and weaknesses and recognize, okay, if my O-line is bad, what can I do to sort of mitigate some of that and still play to my strengths and minimize that weakness and vice versa? And so I, I want to see how the both quarterback and play caller 
deal with whatever we get from the offensive line. That's not even to say it's for sure going to be bad. I'm not, I don't even think that's the case. It's just a matter of we don't, we have less confidence in the offensive line right now than we did entering training camp because Tevin Jenkins is on IR and Cody Whitehair has an injured hand and is now, you've now moved two different guys at different positions. And Nate Davis missed most of the preseason, right? Like that, that there's just factors that have happened that have changed perhaps the level of confidence that we have on that end. Defensively, certainly we have more confidence in the pass rush now than we did entering training camp. And I don't think like expectations have changed drastically defensively, but that is going to be a big part of this conversation when it comes to the young secondary. There's such a symbiotic relationship between guys in coverage and guys rushing the passer that, you know, the faster you can rush the passer, then the less time you need to spend in coverage. But then the more time you need to spend in coverage, the less good your cornerbacks are going to look. But the longer that they can hold up in coverage, the more time your pass rush has to get home. And so those guys rely on each other a bit here. And of course, the ideal thing is to have both of them do well. But like, even if you have a really strong secondary, if they have to cover for five, six seconds, they're just not going to be able to do that. The play, coverages are not designed to last that long. The pass rush has to do something at that time. And, and so reverse, like, even if you have a great pass rush, if your secondary is terrible, quarterbacks can get it out quickly and guys can make plays after the catch. And then it still doesn't really work out. Like you need both to be well, but they can kind of help each other a little bit in both directions and hurt each other in both directions. And so for for a rookie cornerback on the outside, plus a second year cornerback in the slot, plus a second year safety, if we see them struggle this season, you know, how much of that is going to be a reflection of, well, the pass rush in front of them isn't doing them any favors or how much of it is going to be, no, the pass rush is doing all right. And it's still like the young cornerback still making mistakes. Like that's going to be such a key part of that evaluation and, and kind of vice versa. Like if the, if the secondary is locking things down and the pass rush starts to get home, it's like, is the pass rush getting home quickly or are they just benefiting from good play on the back end and, and kind of vice versa? Like if this pass rush is struggling, is it that they're just not getting home or is the secondary falling apart too quickly to not even give the pass rush a full two seconds, two and a half seconds to try and actually like get there and get home. It's such a sort of a, a scales of justice kind of thing that has to be, you know, good coverage and good pass rush to really kind of balance it out. But if even if one is good and the other is bad, there's still kind of a, a reverse effect on both guys here. So like it's hard to it's hard to feel like this defense is going to be, you know, top five, top 10 great defense if you still have this big of pass rush question marks. But if those guys can step up and play really well this season, then all of a sudden you might have something here with really good linebackers and then young players who can play confident and trust that their pass rush is going to bail them out and they can be more aggressive and loose and play free and reactive and stuff and, you know, grow throughout this process. So I, I think there's an opportunity here that it's going to be a little bit harder to judge Eberflus and Williams when you've got questions on, on the personnel side of the pass rush plus rookies and second year players in the back end where it's like, okay, they're trying to coach them up, but there's still going to be inconsistency and mistakes there. So that, that to me is going to be an interesting part of this equation. Do we feel like these guys are being put in the best position to be successful? That's the question of the coaching staff, but then how they actually perform isn't always purely a reflection of the coaching staff. All they can do is put them in a spot to be successful. They have to go out and do it. And young players maybe tend to do that a little bit less consistently than veteran players, even when put in good positions. So that's where I think expectations start to kind of fall for what we're looking for from the defense and what we're looking for from the offense. How that translates into wins and losses is anybody's guess. I mean, we all went through regular season schedule predictions earlier in the off season. If I, if I got to put a stamp on it now and say, okay, before week one, to me, this is a still a seven or eight win team. I find myself leaning eight and nine. If like, if I had to, if I had to put 
a concrete number on it. I will say eight and nine, seven and 10 wouldn't really surprise me though. Like those are the kind of the two, anything less than seven feels not, I think they're a much better team than, than six wins. I think a minimum of seven games, but once you start getting much above eight, I don't quite have that confidence just yet until we see them start to do it and string together some of these games. But seven or eight wins is kind of where I'm at in this process of my official my official season prediction. I don't know. The offensive line injury really does put a damper on some of that for me. So between seven and eight, I, I, I will say eight and nine if I had to lock one spot in, but I still feel pretty good about seven and ten being realistic here. So that's, that really sets the stage for the 2023 regular season. Next week is game week already. We're going to start getting ready for the Packers in week one, just like the Chicago Bears are. So that means you got to come back and keep tuning in to the Locked On Bears podcast five days a week. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. And hopefully every single day, we love our everydayers that tune in five days a week to get your daily Bears fix. Because you, when you tune in five days a week, then not only are you getting a daily Bears fix, but you're getting a daily opportunity to bear down.